0: A sacrifice so complete, no other sacrifice is ever needed again, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. (music) A sacrifice so complete, it utterly nullifies any approach to God with an I will if you will mentality. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. The superiority of Christ's sacrifice. Here in Hebrews 10, it's laid out for us in brilliant fashion. See just how complete Christ's purchase of you really is. Join us for a very encouraging look at the superiority of Christ's sacrifice. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of our Sunday edition of Truth For Today.
1: Hebrews 10, and let me once again set the setting for the audience. He's talking to Jews. It's written to Hebrews. And there's probably three categories these Hebrews happen to be in. Number one, the professed believers, or they never hear this scroll, this document. So they're professing faith in Christ. Anybody can do that. Anybody can say they know him. His challenge to them is under suffering and persecution that they were undergoing. They're being tempted to go back to Judaism. They're weighing out. Uh, If I leave everything I've known as a child and I go to this, I'm going to maybe be put out of the family, put out of the will, lose my job. Uh, uh, can't go to the synagogue. I'm excluded by my ethnic identity group of people. And uh, so I'm weighing that out. All I want is maybe Christ, a great Savior, but I'm weighing out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Can I or can I not? Then there are those believers who are true believers who are suffering being persecuted, who are being exiled, and he's trying to encourage them. Christ is worth it. Christ is worth it. Don't go back. Don't give up the best for the least, and for the, that doesn't work. And so the theme of this book is, he keeps telling them, Christ is superior. Christ is better. Don't go back. Don't go back. He says, He's superior in revelation to anything God's ever said. In these last days, God talks to us in a son. He goes on to say he's superior to angels in chapter 1 and 2, greater than any angel. He goes on. He's superior to Moses. Chapter 3, he says that. Chapter 3 and 4, he's a superior rest to anything that was offered Israel in Canaan. This is the superior rest. He goes on to say he's a superior high priest. And he begins that in chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. He mentioned it in 2, 16 through 18. He picks it up in 5, 1 through 11. Then he steps over to chapter 7. Then he says he's given us a superior covenant, a new covenant in Hebrews 8. He goes to 9, and he said he ministers in a superior place, not an earthly tent or tabernacle, but he's in the true tabernacle of God, which is in the heavens. Chapter 10, he's going to say he is by far the superior sacrifice, the best sacrifice ever made to a people who have made millions of sacrifices and seem to be no better. Millions of animals have been killed in the Old Testament. The day of Passover in biblical times and even in New Testament times on Yom Kippur, which the Jewish people celebrate this month, when they would go to Jerusalem It is estimated that 300,000 lambs would be slain at one time. 300,000. So much blood came off of the Jewish altar in the temple that they made channels to capture all the blood that was flowing out from the temple. And they channeled the blood to the Kidron Brook. Right in Jerusalem, blood, blood, blood. And now the writer says, "Let me tell you something. Let me point out five things, five inadequacies of all these Old Testament sacrifices. They just weren't adequate for the job. And then he says, "Let me tell you three superior." things about Christ's sacrifice, and you'll see you don't need to go back to the inadequacy of the old covenant sacrifices. Christ is the new and better way. Five things wrong with the old sacrificial system, and he points it out. Number one, verse 10 one, it was simply a shadow, and shadows can't save. Notice it. For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. See, the shadow presumes a building. And what he's saying here, Old Testament with sketchy outlines, a shadow, but the real substance is Christ himself. We're giving up shadows for the real substance, the reality. So, Old Testament sacrifices are only a shadow that the Messiah must come. They are not the thing that can save. Two, they tell you that sin can never be gotten rid of. Notice that verse two. He says, if they could have been made perfect, uh, offerings would have ceased to be been offered. But because they could never make anyone perfect, they... They thought they'd get clean, and externally they could. They could wash their hands, but nothing happened inside of them. And they would keep having this consciousness of sin. And every sacrifice was a reminder, I'm not well with God. I'm not acceptable with God. I can't get into his presence. i got to let this guy get there once a year for me, And I don't even know if he knows my name. But we got a high priest that gets to go in once a year. I can't get in. And all the sacrifices, all they're doing, I think of three R's. They remind me I'm a sinner. I'm falling short. My sins are constantly remembered by God. And they are repeated. Repeat it, repeat it. The sacrificial system is beating me to a pulp as one. I've got to bring it. I've got to bring it. But I'm reminded I'm a sinner. My sins are brought up to God constantly. When, when is that ever put behind me? Never in the old covenant. Never. It's like taking medicine and being promised a cure, but you can't get better. And you just keep taking it. Well, the doctor told me to take it. He said, well, it, it doesn't kick in till three weeks, then three months, then six months. Why don't you just tell me the medicine doesn't work? And it didn't work. And Israel proved it. The sacrifices, the third thing, they could never purchase forgiveness for anyone. Verse 4, 10 four, you see that? He said, it is impossible, impossible for the blood of goats and bulls to take away sins. Well, if it's impossible, why do we have to do it? Well, God said, I'm giving that to you to push the debt away and I'm going to push it forward And he said in Romans 3, God looked over and forbear with the sins of Israel and the nations all the way from Adam to Christ, for nothing in that whole period ever did pay for sin. They were only token reminders of these truths. Sin demands a payment. You are a sinner, and I'm going to remind you of it by the sacrificial system. You deserve to die. You deserve to die. I told Adam and Eve, you die if you eat of the tree. So it had that. It shouted, I deserve the punishment. Somebody has to die. My favorite lamb, maybe. Death. Keeps flooding my worship experience. Somebody's always having to die for me to approach God. Bloody! I don't know what the humane society. Oh, they would just go crazy in the Old Testament. They would just couldn't. But guess what? In the Old Testament, religion was bigger than animals. And so I just said, "Is it possible?" And all of this is just pushing the debt forward. Pushing the debt forward. And imagine the frustration that every time you borrow money from somebody and you're unable to pay them back and every time they see you, they say, you know, you owe me. You owe me this much money. Matter of fact, since I've seen you last, it's accrued interest. And the guy says, well, I gave you 200 bucks, but I didn't even pay the interest charges. You're still in debt. You still owe me. You're still failing your obligation. You're still a loser. You still owe me money. You're becoming my slave. And you, the guy say, when, oh, when will I ever be forgiven the debt? You won't. You can't pay it off. Even the sacrifices, he begins in verses 5 through 8. The sacrificial system had even become sickening to God Himself. He said in Isaiah one, I'm sick of your sacrifices, I'm sick of your new moons, I'm sick of all your religious activity. Uh, he said it in Amos five. He said it in Jeremiah six twenty. I'm sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. And David even said, God. I'm not bringing you a sacrifice for the murder and the adultery I've committed. There is no sacrificial animal to pay for murder or to pay for adultery. The law says that I must die. The only thing I got is a broken heart. God said, I want to forgive you for that. Because when I read Proverbs 7 from the early as a young man, it used to baffle me that the adulteress tells the guy she's seducing, go to bed with me, because I've been to church and already paid my vows. You read it. Proverbs seven. I've already paid my vows. My husband's out of town. It's a new moon, and I've already put perfume on my bed. Come on, I've covered my religious obligation. I got the old man out of town. Let's commit adultery tonight. Why did you take a sacrifice? I got to keep my religious account up. I got to pay my dues. But it doesn't change me. It never got rid of the desire, nor that. And God said, I'm sick of the sacrificial system. You're coming, you're playing games with me. It's become a ritual. It's external. Nothing's going on in you. And, you know, it's like people want to go to a, a late mass because tomorrow we're going to do Mardi Gras. And when we go into Mardi Gras, we're going to sin be immoral, get drunk, and gamble all week, we better be sure the priest gives us a little bit of penance, a little bit of forgiveness. We'll get some forgiveness so we can raise hell tomorrow night. The joke of it, the joke of it. Do you think that can appease God? It's people, I, I'm told, much in the South. It's in order, it's, it's cool to be a church member. If you want to be a good businessman, you've got to tell people where you go to church. We don't do that in the West. We're too rowdy. So you go to church, so you still look good, but your heart's far from God. And that's where Isaiah said, you draw nigh to me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. You're far from me. So I said, I'm sick of the sacrificial system. And he said it to the prophets. And then he said in verse 9, It's only a temporary system anyway. I didn't mean for this to last forever. So, it's inadequate. It doesn't get rid of sin. It doesn't do anything in you. In chapter 9, he said, it doesn't cleanse the conscience. It just externally cleans the body. Take a little water and wash yourself. Totally inadequate. Totally inadequate. Now, let me tell you what the sacrifice of Christ does. And now he's going to tell us. And let us lift three things it does. First of all, it is an obedient, satisfying sacrifice to God. Because here was the problem you bring your sacrifice in the Old Testament, you give it to the priest, he offers it, but you still aren't going to obey God. I'm not a, was the lamb obedient? Was it the lamb's choice to have its throat slit? No. No. Oh. The animal's totally passive. It's all moral. It, it, come on, it's just a lamb. It has nothing. It has no moral factor involved. It just has to meet an animal code of not being defective. And remember in Malachi, they got where they even offered sick lambs. It got to be such a joke. They went through the ritual so much. Now, you've got to know a priest in those days made about... Five to six sacrifices a day, three hundred and sixty days a year. Jewish calendar three hundred and sixty days. Constantly offering it, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. The drudgery of being an old testament priest. But here he said, Lord, his Messiah talking to God, you're you're tired of sacrifice and offering. You want somebody that wants to obey you first, and I've come to do your will, and I'm going to take to myself a body, and I'm going to go to the cross. Think of Christ doing this. Here he's on the throne, looks down at the Levitical system that's not working, and knows that the only thing that could ever satisfy God to eliminate the debt was a sacrifice that was as holy as God. So it eliminated all of mankind. If you killed a hundred men, a thousand men, nobody would ever meet the specifications of God. So here God, the Son, and the Father work it out. He says, what if I become a man? What if the infinite is willing to shrink and become an infant? And on the brink, some believe this psalm was said on the brink, Upon coming into the world, before he decided to join himself to the human ovum of a girl, there was a human ovum there, it was real, and deity is going to provide the counterpart sperm, so you got a real pregnancy, there was a real pregnancy in the virgin, it was a virgin conception. And so, on that moment, he said, Father, this is what you wanted, I'm leaving you I'm leaving the throne, I'm going to join myself to Mary's body because I'm the only thing that can satisfy you in the payment of sin. And I'm going to obey you perfectly. I'm going to be everything you always wanted in the sacrifice that the Old Testament proved to be a joke and totally inadequate. And so on the verge of stepping out of glory, he's doing this. You've given up on animal sacrifices. You all accept nothing but a perfectly willing, obedient servant, and that's no one less than his son. And that's why Christ became man, to be the sacrifice, the sacrifice for our sins. Well, verse 11 and 12, he says, the regular priest ministered daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting to conquer his enemies. You, you, you don't get it. You don't, you're, you're clueless because you're not Jewish, and you haven't seen the blood pour out of the temple. For a Jew to hear this in the first century, God's got one sacrifice that will do for all time. And this ends, this ends the whole sacrificial system. I read a sermon years ago by Angel Martinez. And he said, when Christ came as the Lamb of God, in the Gospels, the first one told that he would come were probably temple shepherds that they raised lambs. Because if you kill 300,000 lambs on one day, I want to tell you the shepherds are making a living off of the religious system. Where are you going to get the lambs? Many people would buy them nearby in Jerusalem because they didn't want to carry them from the north and carry that animal or bring that animal all the way. So many times they'd get to Jerusalem, go to the animal market and buy their lamb. Buy their lamb and take it. Give it to the priest. But he notified the shepherds first. And Martinez said, because he wanted them to sign up for unemployment. He just put them out of a job. Won't be needing any more lambs. Close your business. And look at the Jew today. He has no sacrifice. He has no priest. He has no temple. And he has no future unless he receives Messiah. In the destruction of the temple, they lost the meeting place. They lost the Aaronic priesthood. The records have been scattered. The sacrifices are gone, not because they accepted Christ, but because the Romans devastated the place. They have nothing. And here he says, this one wants it for all. And to prove to you that he's done, in all the Old Testament furnishings, there were no chairs. You were never done. What did he do? <sighs> it's done. Just got to do it once. It's done forever. He sat down. He sat down. Is you know, it's done. It's, it's behind. Amen. He's just saying, got it done. No more. No more. No more. That did it. Third thing. What good did it do? Old Testament didn't seem to change the worshiper. What does this new sacrifice do? Five things. You ready? Number one, I cannot believe, I'm saying that sarcastic, it is hard to believe that he accomplished these things about us. Wait till you hear it. Number one, verse 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Sanctified means what? Set apart to God, declared holy, and that is set apart for God totally.
0: In John chapter 20, Verses 30 and 31, he writes, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, he says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the day, that's what our series through the book of John is all about, that you would believe, that you would have life in his name. You have questions? we might have some answers. If not, we definitely have access to the one who does through prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to get in touch with us. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to listen to today's program again or obtain the entire series. Well, feel free to get a hold of us at 855-833-9864. Again, that's a toll-free call, 855 833 9864 Otherwise, you can visit our website, valleybible.org. We have resource materials available there, books, as well as information about who we are and what we believe. If you'd like to join us for worship at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service time and location and directions can all be found, again, at valleybible.org, or if you wish to speak with someone, again, call 855-833-9864. Now, if you are writing to us, especially if you are planning to be a TFT sustainer, supporting the ministry financially as you're being blessed day by day here from Truth For Today, well, you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Now, as a TFT sustainer, we'd like to remind you that no gift is too small, no gift is too large. And as you partner with us, please remember that your tax-deductible donation all goes back into the ministry, 100%. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, our annual special gift, and access to take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Plus, also the benefit of knowing that this ministry will continue here on KFAX Monday through Friday as well as Sunday. So contact us today, 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.